Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who was charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we looked at the testimony of the thoracic surgeon who operated on Ms. Kanarek after she was shot, and we began our presentation of the direct examination of Ms. Kanarek's boyfriend, Robert Goodwin. On this installment, we continue our review of Goodwin's testimony with the conclusion of the direct examination by the prosecution. That's all coming up right after the break. After taking Goodwin through these photos, Shellhorn asks, now, in terms of uh, direction, who made the decisions about what was going to be done? Uh, Michael had full control over anything. So did he tell you what to do? He did. In terms of living at the farm for several summers, in, including, I guess, in Florida as well, and being around Michael Barrison, what were your observations of his personality? He had a very bold, loud personality. Alpha male. Funny, personal, sometimes angry. What kind of a sense of humor did he have? <laughs> so, I mean, he... Uh, not my type. What's that mean? Off-color jokes, borderline racist, sexist. Now, at some point uh, during the time that you were living and working on the property, did things uh, socially and professionally fall apart between yourself and Lauren and uh, Michael Barrison? Yes. And what was the culmination of those things falling apart? Well, I would have to say the day Michael drove the truck down and tried to murder us. Now, before I ask you questions about that, do you own any guns? I do not. Does Lauren own any guns? She does. Do you know how many guns she owns? Uh, she owns uh, one, one handgun. Has she ever had that gun in New Jersey, to your knowledge? Uh, no. Do you know where she leaves the gun? To our house in North Carolina. Now, during the time that you were living and training at the defendant's farms in Florida and New Jersey, did you keep a residence or keep uh, a house or something of that nature in North Carolina? We did. We kept our residence. Have you ever used drugs in the past? I have. What drugs? I had a drug problem my whole, pretty much my whole adult life. I had anything. 
anything, anything, anything I could do to get out of my uh, anxiety and uh, personality and all that stuff I'm going to do. Are you sober now? I am. How long have you been sober? Quite a few years. I've re relapsed a few times throughout the years, but, you know, good majority of seven years maybe. Did you ever use any illegal drugs at the time you were living on Michael Barrison's farm? On the farm, no. Were you ever under the influence of any illegal drugs when you were around people from the, the farm? No. Now, let me back, take you back to August uh, 7th of 2019. Is that the day that you recall just indicating that Michael Barrison tried to kill you? It is. Where did that happen? Back patio. Behind the house on the property? Correct, which is the main, main entrance. Now, when we talk about, or, or when you're referring to things falling apart, and that might be my words, can you describe in August of 2019 some of what was going on from your observations with issues about you or Lauren being at the barn? From the best I gather, it was becoming a tense situation. Not too sure. When you say it was a tense situation, did anything change about when you were allowed to be at the barn? Yeah, I think we set a time limit for when we could come to the barn and wrap Symphony's legs. Did that time limit exist when Symphony first got to the farm? No. How did you feel when you would go up to the barn and interact with people, meaning either the defendant or other staff? More specifically. Did you know the defendant's girlfriend? Yeah. Who is that? Mary Haskins. Mary Haskins, Gray. Yeah. Did she live at the, the farm at any point when you did? She did. Do you recall where she lived? Well, I guess when we first came down there, she lived in the barn with Michael, the upstairs apartments in the barn. And when we came back in the summer of 2019, they moved into the construction house. So when you say when you first came there do you, and they lived in the barn, do you mean summer of 2018? Yeah. And then it was the summer of 2019 you said she was living with Michael Barrison on like the main level of the, uh, the house? Yes. And is that at the time where you were living with Lauren upstairs on the second level or the apartment? That's correct. So in August of 2019 in particular, just for a reference point, did you ever go up to the barn to do things up there, whether it be work or take care of the horses or something else, where people dealt with you a different way than they had before? By August 7th, because during, during that week of August, I mean, communication broke down, like, it seemed to be just very tense, you know, I didn't want to go up there very much. What was different? Uncomfortable. Did you uh, observe any issues between your girlfriend, Lauren, and Mary Haskins, for example? Specifically, um, I wasn't caught up to the day-to-day -day things with them. Did you ever make any direct threats of violence to Michael Barrison? Never. Did you ever make any threatening gestures or mo motions to Michael Barrison? Never. Now, in August of 2019, at some point, did you have any cameras at the farmhouse? I did. Can you tell the jury approximately when you remember getting those cameras? Two days before the shooting, and you know, it was too, you know, because the situation was so, so tense at the time. We were going to a show the next week, and I, I installed them for that reason. That reason only. Did you uh, read the instruction manual for those cameras when you got them? It wasn't quite ex what I was expecting, no. In other words, were you familiar with all the buttons and bells and whistles? I wasn't familiar with how it worked. At some point, can you tell the jury, well, did you install the cameras? I did install them. Were they inside the house and outside the house? That is good. And uh, at some point, did something happen with those that you changed the settings? Oh, uh, yeah, like I said, I didn't know that day it was going to be anything special. I was upstairs doing laundry. I had one camera in my house in the hallway. And every time I walked past it, I would get a notification on my phone. It would go, bing, 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 bing. And with blink, blink cameras, they record for up to a minute. And then they shut off for 10 seconds to a minute. 
before it could record again. Mainly a motion activated camera system that just like the name, it's a blink or a snapshot in time. It's not a constant 24 hour surveillance system. It's, it's almost like if you're not familiar with it, with a ring, you know, ring doorbell camera or something like that notifies when there's motion and sends you a little, little clip of the motion. And because of, uh, like you said, when you were doing laundry and the bing, 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 what did you do? I turned the cameras off. Did you have a paid subscription or anything extra with the, the system? No, you get free free storage. At some point, uh, are you aware whether Michael Barrison and Mary Haskins Gray moved out of that farmhouse in either July or August of 2019? Yeah, about a week prior. A week prior to the shooting? August 7th, yes. Do you know where they went? They moved back up to the farm. Now, you indicated the first summer you were there, Justin Harden, the assistant trainer, was staying in the second floor of the farmhouse? The third floor, top floor, yeah. Third floor. Uh, you were staying there during the summer of 2019? Correct. Do you know where Justin Harden was living at? Uh, Justin Harden moved up to the barn, too. Where were the working students living? At the time, actually, uh, I guess before we left, Michael was building uh, a bunch of apartments over there. I mean, it was the, I guess the end goal to put all the working students at the farm and not to have them at the house. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Prosecutor Shellhorn next moves on to ask Robert Goodwin about the events leading up to the shooting of Lauren Canarak. During that, what we'll call that week, so call it August 1st to August 7th, during that week or so, are you aware whether the police were ever at the property? On a daily basis, almost. And if you could just keep your voice up, uh, just to make sure everyone hears you. Yes. Did you say on a daily basis? I did. Did the police ever come and talk to you or talk to Lauren? Every time they came. Did you call the police on all those occasions? I did not. Uh, at some point, did you become aware that Michael Barrison wanted you to leave the, the property, didn't want you to live there anymore? Yeah, I mean, he was making life difficult at the farm for us to want to stay. Is there a reason that you didn't just leave? Uh, one, I think there was, prior to that week, I think there was Hope's friend salvaged relationship, a lot tied up between, you know, Michael and myself, Lauren, like, like all of us were tied up in some sort of thing. And, you know, ultimately, you know, we would try to like to work something out. How would you describe, I think you said tense and uncomfortable are two ways you would describe things? Yes. Did there come a point in August where you made a report to the Washington Township Building or Construction or Health Department? That's correct. What was the nature of, of that? The nature of it was, um, you know, with, with all the tension, I think uh, we were up there doing symphonies 
flag and uh, Cassandra was in the laundry room. She started the dryer and uh, she told Ruth that, hey, can you keep an eye on this washer? I'm going upstairs because she said she was going to bed, but it was pretty late. It said, this dryer's not shutting off. Can you can you keep an eye on it? And then she turns off. So there was, a, there was a concern. I said something to her. She laughed at me and ignored me. So, I mean, at that point, all communication was broken down. You know, you got a potential uh, fire hazard. And, uh, you know, at that point, I was, you know, sick of everything that was going on. I think we've come to terms with, you know, Michael has made it too hard to live there. How did you make that report to the Washington Township, the health department? How did you make the report? Uh, I think I dictated to Lauren. She, she wrote it down, and then I brought the... Uh, hand-delivered it to the uh, building department, health department, whatever, whatever it was. Do you remember what day you delivered that? I believe it was uh, August 5th. And are you aware whether or not the township sent out various people to inspect that day or the next day? I think the very next day they came with a team. Did you interact with them at all? The team of people? Yes. I don't believe so. Now on uh, Wednesday, August 7th, do you remember what you were doing that morning? Generally. Probably the regular, I think, breakfast, maybe took the wraps off and then came back to the house and was doing laundry. Uh, when you say take the wraps off, would that be Symphony's wraps? Correct. Was that up at the stable? Yes. Did you see Michael Barrison at all that morning? I do not recall. I don't think so. Remember what you were doing around 2 o'clock that afternoon? I do. What was that? I was upstairs folding my laundry. And is that on the uh, the third floor of the house yeah. or the upstairs you were talking about? Yeah. Do you know where Lauren was? Uh, she was downstairs on the uh, patio. She had a love seat there that she sat in pretty much all the time. Do you remember having a phone call with anyone that afternoon? I was on the phone with the, uh, our attorney, Edward David. What was the reason for having an attorney? Like I said, I think, you know, I think we ultimately wanted to try to work out the relationship with Michael and uh, the horses. But then there needed to be a, um, I guess, you know, we were trying, we were trying to... Uh, Trying to work that out and also uh, try to figure out what, what we're going to do about the uh, deal of work for work for um, training the horses. Were you aware whether Michael had an attorney? Michael did have an attorney. And did you and Lauren know that? Yeah, I can't remember how far in advance. but At some point, did you meet with the attorney you just talked about, Ed David? I did. So that afternoon, around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you were having a phone call with Ed David. Uh, where were you having that phone call? Upstairs in the apartment. And at some point, did anything happen that caused you to go downstairs or outside? Sure, Lauren came up the stairs and told me Michael was here. Did you see uh, how he got there? I did not. Where did you go after she said that he was there? I came down. She wanted me to talk to him. And where did you go? I walked down the stairs and out the uh, out the back door, which is the front door, entering onto the patio. When you come through that door, what's on the inside of that door? What's what's this in that the laundry room? And when you come through that door, what's right outside the door? Uh, the back porch. Or back porch. How many steps is that porch? Approximately. Big one step coming out of the house, and you got the little, uh, you know, three by three patio, and then three more steps going down to the patio. If you come out that door, did you see Michael Barrison? I did. Where did you see him? I was hiding behind a bush on the patio. Which side of the patio, or which side? To the of right the, of the door. Which side of the steps is the bush? To the right. And he was behind that bush. He was. So he would have been to your right. Yes. How would you describe the way he looked? Um, pretty normal. Were you still holding the phone at that point? Right, right as I came down the stairs, I handed off the phone to Lauren. Had you hung up the phone, or do you remember? No, if no, the phone I just was still connected. No, I mean because it was our attorney, and you know. So no, you hadn't hung it up. No, I hadn't, I hadn't hung it up. It was either useful that he was on the phone at the time. Did you see whether there were any vehicles in the driveway? 
uh, Michael Strzok, the guy had two vehicles in the trailer in the driveway. And what kind of vehicle did you know Michael Barrison to drive? I just bought a uh, Dodge Ram 3500. What color was it? Silver. Did you see if anyone else was in that vehicle or near that vehicle? No. When you said that uh, Michael Barrison was, was hiding behind the bush, approximately how much of his body could you see? This, maybe the chest up, maybe shoulders up. And you said that you recall him to be about how tall? 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, could you see his hands? Uh, I only saw his hands when he put his arms in the air. If his hands were at his side, could you see his no. hands? Could you see his waist? No. Could you see his pockets? No. Were you holding or carrying anything in your hands? I was not. I handed off the phone alarm before I came out there. And you said you stepped out onto the porch? Stepped out onto the porch. Did you say anything to him or did he say anything to you? I looked over to him and like I said, I thought the position of where he was standing was very, very weird. When I came out, he looked over at me and said, how do we fix this? I don't want a war and showed me his hands and threw them up in the air. And that's what Michael said. Did you, were those his exact words or is that pretty much? Yes. And just let me finish the questions okay. before you answer. That's all right. That's all right. I just don't want to talk over you. Do you remember if those were his exact words or if it was like generally uh, paraphrased what he said? I believe those are the exact words I remember. Did you say anything in response to him? I said, uh, you're the one who brought the attorney into it, so I'll have the attorneys talk it over. Could you see if he was holding a phone? I couldn't see anything but his shoulders and his head at that point. Did you see where Lauren was at that point? Uh, Lauren was behind me. She was either in the doorway or uh, she was standing right behind me on the patio. Were you able to see whether she was holding or carrying anything besides the phone? No. Which may have her phone on her, but I didn't see anything. After he said something to the effect of how can we end this, and you said the lawyers were involved to let them handle it, what did you see next? Lauren said, I'll go talk to him, and uh, walked down the stairs and walked over to Michael. Did you see how close she got to him? I guess she just got around the bush, and uh, within four feet, that's when Michael raised up the gun and shot her twice. Did you see him hold up the gun? I didn't see him hold up the gun. Did you see what the gun looked like? I don't remember at that time if I, if I remember what the, the gun looked like but I did see the gun in his hands and I did see him shoot Lauren. When he raised the gun up in his hand, was it above the top of that bush that you were talking yeah, about? Yeah, he kind of stepped out towards her as well. Do you remember how many times he shot? Shot at her twice. Do you remember if you saw the bullets hit her? No. Can you describe when you saw the defendant holding up the gun and shooting, what did you see or what do you remember hearing or what was your emotion? Uh, There's a lot in that question, Mr. Shellhorn. I'll break it down. Break it down, please. <clears throat> when you saw Michael Barrison hold up the gun and shoot Lauren, do you remember specifically what you heard? I heard the gunshots. And do you remember specifically how you felt at that moment? I was just kind of frozen in amazement. How far away were you approximately from Michael Barrison at the time that he shot Lauren in front of you? About 12 feet. Do you remember what Lauren did after she got shot? She turned around and ran away. And which direction did she run in? Ran away. She ran towards the uh, opposite direction of Michael. So would that be towards uh, that side yard, that grass yard? Yeah, towards the pond. Were you watching her at that point, watching Michael or watching something else? Watching Michael. Did you see specifically where she went or what she did? Uh, no. She just ran over to the side. So after Michael shot Lauren twice, what did you, and you said you were watching him, what did you see him do next? Uh, well, she turned and ran, me ran, it looked like he was chasing after her, but then he pointed the gun at me and fired a shot at me. Now, where about was he when he fired that shot at you? In the same place or a different place? Probably half the distance at that point. Like I said, he, he's 
took a step when he shot at Lauren, and when Lauren ran and he ran, he probably took like three or four steps. So he was, you know, kind of by the gravel of the driveway coming around that bush when he shot at me. Where were you standing when he shot at you? I was standing on the patio. Oh, no, I'm sorry, on the porch, top of the porch. Did you see him shoot, hear him shoot, or something else? I saw him lift up the gun and shoot. How did you know that he shot the gun? Well, when he was bringing the gun up, I think I had my hand on the door, and uh, we took the shot, I dove inside the house. Glass, uh, the tempered glass, shot around the room. So, I knew he hit the window. I wasn't sure if I was hit. You didn't get shot, no. did you? No. After you saw or heard the glass shattering around the window, what did you do next? I think at that point, I realized what was going on. I realized Lauren was outside. Michael was outside with a gun shooting at us. So, you know, I, I got up and went to go charge outside. What did you see when you got up and went to go charge back outside? Michael Barrison running inside the house. To, and so would that have, means he was coming up those stairs towards you? He was coming for me, yes. Were you able to see the gun at that point? I think I surprised him coming out, so I didn't see the gun in his hand as he was running up the stairs, and I was, you know, worried for my life. What did you do? I had about one second to make a decision, and the decision was he was running up. I was in the house, and I pretty much had to leap and punch him. You know approximately, had he had he gotten onto the steps yet or not? He was coming up on my think, you know, he may have just got on the, you know, his first step onto the porch when I made contact with him. When you said that you uh, punched him, do you remember which hand you punched him with? Punched him with my right hand. What happened after you punched him? I think I dazed him a little bit. He kind of stood there a little bit. My hand was in uh, complete agony and pain. I think I might have swung at him again. Michael, you know, then turned around and I didn't know if he was going to chase after Lauren, but as soon as he gave me his back, I took advantage of it. And what did you do? Threw him in a chokehold. And what happened when you put him in the chokehold? Oh, uh, he passed out very quickly. When he passed out, what happened to his body? Uh, we fell onto the concrete in front of the stairs. Were you laying on top of him, next to him, or standing or I something on, else? I was on top of him. Did you keep him in the chokehold? Yes. Yes. Were you watching Lauren while this was going on between you and Mike? Actually, I was going to go back there. So as he turned around and went to run away, I jumped, I jumped on his, um, I threw my arm around his neck and I put him in the chokehold. And at that time, that's when I saw the gun come up again. And then Lauren, out of nowhere, came and grabbed his arm. Then he passed out and fell onto the concrete. So you said that the first time he picked the gun up and he shot Lauren, you didn't really take note of the gun and the way it looked? No. But you just said that after you punched him and got him into the chokehold, his arm came up with the gun? His arm came up. And did you have a chance to take note, or do you remember what the gun looked like at that moment? I did. I remember seeing pink on the gun. Do you remember what the state of the gun looked like, or what the... Uh, so I'm not, I'm not very familiar with guns, so... Uh, it was, it was, looked like it was jammed at that point. That's what I thought. I thought at that point when he, when he came up, you know... When I first saw it come up, I thought he was coming to shoot me. And then when I saw the barrel and the, the slide kicked back, I wasn't that concerned about it. But. Now, you said that at that point, that's when you first noticed seeing or noticed the gun. You had him in a chokehold, and then that's the next time that you noticed Lauren? That's correct. And what did she do when you said that she came over? Like I said, uh, when that arm came up, she came to uh, she came help me out. When you said that you put... Michael into a chokehold, and he said that he sort of lost consciousness or fell down. Do you remember where Lauren was at that point? Sorry, you got to repeat the question. Sorry? When you said you had Michael in a chokehold and he fell to the ground, 
and I think you said that you were on top of it. Did you see where Lauren was at that point? Yeah, um, I don't know if we all fell over or what, but uh, Lauren was pretty much almost uh, on her knees right next to where we fell. So I don't know if we took her down with us or... Did you become aware at some point that Lauren had called 911? Yeah, I think I was I was holding Michael down and uh, I told Lauren to call 911. And did you end up speaking on the 911 call at some point? I think at some point I realized that Michael actually shot her when I saw the bullet holes through the back of her shirt. Um, and that was that was sometime during the 911 call when I noticed you know everything that was going on. What position was she in when you noticed that you saw the bullet holes? She was kind of on her knees or on, on her butt. She was kind of sitting up like, like, like this. Do you remember when the police got there? They did. What do you remember seeing when the first police officer or officers arrived? Cop came out with his uh, gun drawn and uh, came over to the situation. Uh, came over to where me, Michael, and Lauren were all huddled up. Did you say anything to the police officer? I think he asked where the shooter is, and I said he's right here, pointing to Michael, who was underneath me. Did you know where the gun was at that point? It was underneath him. After the police officer came over with the gun drawn, and you indicated that Michael was the shooter, what did you do next? So he had me get off. He had me get off Michael. He had the gun trained on Michael. My dog got out during the during the incident. After I jumped through the door, my dog came out. So she was out there, and uh, you know, she I guess uh, bit at the officer's leg, and the officer pointed his gun at her and I said, "Please don't shoot my dog." And I tried to uh, try to grab my dog. Did uh, was that your dog Rosie? My dog Rosie. Did Rosie bite you at all during the the scuffle? Probably many times. What did you do uh, with Rosie? When I got a hold of her, I, uh, I walked up to porch, threw her inside, and closed the door. And then where did you go? Then uh, then I went out into the uh, driveway. I forget if the second officer was there by by then, and you know, I was handcuffed and you know watched the rest of the scene unfold. After you got handcuffed, uh, what area were you in? I was, what, in the, I was in the gravel driveway. Rob, I'm going to show you S345. What's that a picture of? It's the bush Michael was hiding behind. And can you describe for the jury the general area where Michael was standing when you came out the door? Goodwin uses a laser pointer to identify the location of various events of the shooting incident. All of the events appear to take place within a circle of about a 15-foot diameter. Uh, sure, so uh, that chair, that chair uh, to the left on the house, that was... Uh, you know, typically my seating area that was in between the table and the house that was pulled out and Michael was standing right there behind that bush to the, to the left right there of the house. And I think for things about chest height right there, that little roof where all the bags are on, that's about chest height. My chest. Your chest. So was he standing about between that little roof and the table behind the bush? Yeah. Yes. I guess that's where that chair used to be. When he shot Lauren, you said that she had taken a couple of steps down and had come off the porch. That's correct. Do you see the approximate area where she was or where you thought you saw her when Michael shot her? Yes, the right of the table, you see the white speck, the white speck on the concrete. And I think there's a, a laser pointer there, so we could try that. So uh, there is the white speck. She was probably maybe in between that white speck there and maybe, you know, another step around. Can, can you just clarify, Your Honor, with the jury whether they were able to see that? Yes, members of the jury, were you able to see that? Jury members, everyone? All right, everyone's nodding their head. After you got handcuffed, or do you remember if you got any medical treatment at the scene? Yeah, looked at my hand. And when you got handcuffed, do you see the approximate area where you were 
uh, in this picture? Uh, probably just on the outside of to the right, maybe over here, or maybe just in the picture, but somewhere over in this area over here. So over in the direction of that gravel pile. Yes. Do you remember uh, where you went after you were at the scene? Going to the uh, to the police station. How did you get there? Police escort in the back seat of the police car. Did they interview you there? You did. Do you remember what the weather was like uh, that afternoon when you were leaving the property? You could, uh, I think before I pulled out and the uh, police car started started to rain. And what, what do you remember about how heavy or light the rain was? At that point it was very light. I think maybe, you know, it, it got a little heavier as we pulled out and started driving to the police station. After you were done at the uh, police station, did they take pictures of you? They did. They collect your clothing? I believe they took my shirt. Uh, I think they took my shirt and my pants. And did you uh, give them your phone? I did. Now, did you go to the hospital that night? I went to the hospital. You see the phone was alive. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I should have clarified that. Did you go to a different hospital to see Lauren? Were you treated? What do you, what do you, what do you mean a different hospital? Were you treated at the same hospital where Lauren was treated? I don't know. Uh, hold, hold on one sec. I may have misheard. I thought he was treated at the scene and went to the police department. I, I asked the question out of order. Right. I'll just, just clarify that, please. Did you end up going to the hospital yourself that night? Okay, can we clarify for him or to see Lauren? I think it was, you're asking if he, he went to a hospital for treatment. Did, I just asked him that. All right. Did you go to a hospital for treatment after you went to the police station? I did not. I mean, I, I went to the hospital first to check on Lauren because I was in the police station for hours and I didn't know the status of Lauren. I didn't know if she was alive or dead. First thing I did was went to the hospital. To check on Lauren? check make sure she was okay and at some point did you go to the hospital to get checked out yourself maybe or, or very early next morning i think i finally went to the hospital nothing further on judge taylor calls for a break and with that we conclude this episode of jury duty the trial of michael barrison in our next installment edward belinkus begins his cross-examination of robert goodwin if you would like to listen to these stories early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison.